0: You're listening to The Big Show with George Russick and Maddie Rose on Sportsnet
1: 960, The Fan.
0: Hour number three. It's The Big Show, powered by MortgagesToGo.ca. Always the lowest interest rates in Canada since 2004. Visit MortgagesToGo.ca. It's Valentine's Day. Uh, we've all played our favorite love songs. Uh, GVP, what do we got? This is your selection.
2: Uh, Carrying Your Love With Me by George Strait. Okay, I knew
0: you were going country. We definitely felt it. Um, Eric Francis covers the Flames for Sportsnet at the bottom of the hour. We're still taking your text messages at nine sixty nine sixty. How and why did you fall in love with the Calgary Flames? We'll play some of those for Eric Francis coming up. But right now on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, host of the What Chaos Hockey podcast, we say good morning to Pete Blackburn. Hey, Pete, how are you?
1: I'm good. How are you guys?
0: Thanks for jumping on. Um, Pete, your favorite love song that we can play out uh, the interview with. Like, what is your number one go-to sappy love song?
1: Oh, man, you're putting me on the spot. Uh, You know what? How about about you think about it, you
0: let it marinate a little bit, and we'll ask you at the end of the interview.
1: that works. All right, that works. I got a lot to pour over.
0: Okay. Um, A lot of emotions, a lot of of feelings. Um, All right, we appreciate that. Um, Frank Sarvalli was on a radio station uh, yesterday, Pete, and he talked about how the Devils and Flames were really, really close to a Jacob Marstrom deal. Uh, My co-host Matt Rose has brought up this point. If you're the Hurricanes and you're the Devils and you look at the way Jacob Marstrom is playing, how the hell are not you trying to move whatever it means necessary to get that guy in your crease?
1: Yeah, I mean the Devils have needed a goaltender for quite some time now and uh, you know I feel like the final straw should have been – it probably should have come before Jack Hughes saying, like, hey, it's nice when we get some saves and win games. But uh, I feel like that should, should have been the, the final straw. But, I mean, this Devils season going down the drain as a result of, of bad goaltending is pretty inexcusable, especially given where they kind of are on their, uh, on their, their, their development path as a franchise.
2: Is uh goaltending one of those things that you're fascinated to watch as the trade deadline gets going here? we've heard UC Saros kind of get mentioned around as well. What do you, what do you uh, kind of keeping your eye on as we get closer to the deadline? Is it the goaltenders?
1: Yeah, I think the goaltending situation is probably the most interesting, especially now that like the, the center market has kind of thinned. Um, you know, there was probably like the big three with the centers that I was, I was waiting to see kind of what would happen there. And obviously the, the, big two chips have fallen now it's the goaltending market. And I'm still, I've been waiting for kind of the shoe, the first shoe to drop there for a long time, like going back to when the Oilers sucked because we were looking at the Oilers being like, okay, they need a goaltender to kind of correct to this path they're on. And then Stuart Skinner emerged as a guy who can carry them. And so, um, you know, going, dating back to that, like in November, December, I was waiting for the, the goalie shoe to drop and it hasn't yet, and you've got some big names on there, like Markstrom and Saros among, among the top of them. So, uh, yeah, it could get real interesting. It could be a big dud, too. So that's kind of always the chance that you take with the trade deadline.
2: How many good goaltenders are actually in the NHL, Pete, by your estimation?
1: Are we talking good or are we talking, like, elite? Because like, if we're talking elite, I, I think the, the number is probably, like, three to four. Mm-hmm. And if we're talking good, I think there's probably – 10 a dozen somewhere around there but the thing about goaltending and i've always said this about it is i've always been honest that i don't i don't really know how to evaluate goaltending because it seems like it's so fickle that a guy who is in the good category one year the very next year he can end up being like one of the worst goaltenders in the league and there's really no explanation behind it and then you have on the opposite end like you've got a guy like jonathan quick who is seemingly on his way out of the league. And now there's been some chatter in the past couple of weeks. Like, hey, does he take over the net for Igor Shosturkin, one of the few guys that we considered elite last year? Like, it doesn't make any sense to me half the time.
0: Pete, no, now you say the elite goaltenders. Now i got to ask you, who are your elite goaltenders in the NHL?
1: Uh, I think two of them are in Boston, um, which is, is nice for me as a Bruins guy. Um, but, I mean, Demko is, is – uh, risen to kind of that category this year connor hellebuck i think would be my number one connor hellebuck has been unbelievable for years even behind a pretty bad winnipeg jet defense for for most of the past handful of years and, and kind of has carried them so uh connor hellebuck is by far i think my number one
2: i'm uh fascinated by uh the new podcast you're doing have you had a chance to talk to any goalies yet
1: yeah, we did. We, uh, we talked to one this week or I guess last week and, and just published it yesterday. Uh, we talked to Aiden Hill and, uh, he, he's a great dude. He's very funny. Um, we had some fun with him. And then two of the first guests that we had earlier on the season were, uh, Jeremy Swayman and, and Linus Olmark together. And that was wonderful just to see kind of their friendship and, and their chemistry together, sitting side by side. So, um, yeah, both of those guys have been really interesting and, and really funny and, and, uh, I have changed my opinion of goaltending a little bit in terms of, like, I've always expected goaltenders to be, like, the weirdest people on the planet and almost impossible to to talk to because of that. But those three guys have been have been wonderful, so I, I love them.
2: Tell me what the weirdest thing was that Aiden Hill shared with you, as we can kind of tease that interview a little bit for our listeners to go find.
1: Um... Uh, probably that he played a song, I forget the, the song, it was like some rap song that I'd never heard of, he said that he played it for like 24 hours straight one day, and, and I found that pretty funny, but it was he's, he's a relatively normal guy and seems like a good hang. Pete, what the
0: hell is going on with the LA Kings right now?
1: That's a good question, man. I don't know. Oh man, getting smacked around by the Sabres when you thought that that team might be galvanized uh, is a really, really tough pill to swallow. And if you're the Kings, man, I I would be kind of clawing my eyes out wanting to have answers for this because I mean, I I look back, you know, going back like a month and, and they were at the beginning of the season, they were my Stanley Cup pick. I thought they were awesome down the middle. And, um, you know, even then I wasn't sure kind of who PLD was and and how that would work out. And now I I think you have to start having the conversation. I know people already are, but like, is is there something that PLD is carrying to to his teams Hmm. where, you know, (laughs) at some point, at some point, things seem to fall apart when that guy's on a roster. So it makes you wonder.
0: Is Rob Blake's job in Jeopardy potentially?
1: Uh, I don't think so. I, I think it's it's one of those situations where, uh, you know, you, you don't necessarily have to fire anybody but the coach, and you kind of say, all right, you look at the season that was and, and some of the, the things that happened, and obviously I don't think that they're, they're fully out of it yet. Like, things have been bad, and, uh, you know, they're certainly not trending in the right direction, especially after last night. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think this is a – a real panic situation. They could course correct and, and be fine, and this could be a blip on the radar. So I wouldn't start having that conversation just yet.
2: What did you make of the uh, Morgan Riley suspension as someone who's uh, supported the Bruins for your life?
1: Uh, I thought uh, I liked the Morgan Riley. I liked that whole situation, honestly, because I thought it was great theater. I, I liked the Ridley Gregg uh, slapshot into the empty net. I thought that was pretty rock star but also you know disrespectful and you got to be ready to answer for it if you're going to pull a move like that so um, I did like the response from Morgan Riley even if I didn't love the execution like I don't love cross-checking a guy in the face Mm. but it's better than doing nothing right especially if you're a Toronto Maple Leafs player because the Leafs have a reputation of being spineless of being soft of not caring and and so, you know, if you're Morgan Riley and you show that you're pissed off in that moment, I think that it's worth it to eat the five games. Then again, you know, it's not my money. So it's not my money coming out of the out of you know his, his paycheck or whatever. But, you know, I like the response. And now it's on the Leafs to kind of back him up and say, we appreciate you standing up for, for the sweater. We'll carry uh, your absence in the next five games. Whether or not they do that, we'll see. But I do like that, you know, Morgan Riley showed that he had a pulse.
2: Now, I I do wonder, I feel like Ridley Gregg came out as a straight-up winner across basically every faucet here. He, A, won the game, B, is kind of etched in this lore with Senators fans. He didn't end up getting hurt. Morgan Riley got suspended, and Gregg ended up scoring yesterday as well as the Senators won again. Is there any way that Ridley Gregg came out a loser in this?
1: Uh, No, not really. I I think that you mean the one thing that you didn't mention there too. And we had the discussion on the on the show yesterday. He forced people to figure out how to pronounce his name, and that's a that's another win for him too. So, um, no, I don't think that he was a loser in in any way in in this situation. The only thing that I would say about Ridley Greg again, and I kind of mentioned that earlier, is just like, how are you not anticipating getting jumped after you after you pull that move? Like, I would have liked to see him, you know, be be more ready to defend a stick to the face, even if, you know, again, that's not like the most appropriate response, but he seemed pretty caught off guard, which surprised me.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, Pete, wanted to get your opinion on this. It's something I've been talking about the last day and a half or so, and it's a great story because it has everything in it, right? It's the code, it's the disrespect, it's beating the Leafs. It's so many stories rolled into one. But I just want to get your opinion on this. Why the hell do they have in-person interviews in the NHL? Why is a player forced to fly to New York to talk to George Barros and whoever when we have the technology to do this online? How about a Zoom call instead of jumping on a bird going all the way to New York from wherever you are in North America to get suspended? I think it's such a pointless exercise. Your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I agree, and it doesn't really make a lot of sense. And I know that the players can decline, you know, they decline their right to an in-person hearing. I just don't understand why anybody would would not take that that opt out. Like, I'm not I'm, like, what? What? How? How much different is it to try to make your case in person ver- versus it, uh, over a Zoom call? Like, are you bringing physical evidence with you to show to the NHL courtroom where George Paros is the judge? Like. I, I would love to to kind of do a documentary on the thought process behind choosing an in person hearing.
2: How big do you think the wheel is they choose their suspensions on? <laughs>
1: I think it's like a tarot card situation, oh, more than more than a oh, wheel. Okay. Oh, okay. Oh, how does that work? See where we go. Yeah.
0: Interesting. How the death card is worth six games. You, you pull the death card; it's worth <laughs> yeah. six games automatically, exactly. regardless of what you
1: do. The hot air balloon flying into the power lines—is that good or bad? <laughs> Let's find out.
2: <laughs> I don't know if Pete that's Black good Bur- or bad.
0: Yeah, I'm um, Pete Blackburn, host of the What Chaos? A Hockey Podcast. Joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, guest on Big Show, Russick and Rose, 960 the fan. Uh, just sticking to the Eastern Conference, how wide open does it feel like this year, Pete?
1: It feels very, very wide open. And, you know, I think that the Bruins are probably the best team in the Eastern Conference, but I wouldn't consider them a powerhouse, and, you know, I still think that they have their flaws. And with that in mind, like, it, it couldn't be more wide open in my mind. I, I don't think that there is a team that really kind of grabs me by the shoulders and shakes me and says, you know, we're going for this thing. So even the teams that I thought would be at the top of, of this uh, standings this year, you know, talking about the Devils, talking about the Rangers and, you know, the Lightning, the Leafs, teams like that that have typically been there, they've, they've got fatal flaws, and they've had, like, really – poor stretches this season so you know wide open for the taking but i also like i kind of felt like that last year with the the western conference and the eventual stanley cup champion came out of the western conference so we'll see how it plays out but right now I, i you know if i had to pick one i'd pick the bruins but i wouldn't feel great about it
2: which of the teams in the east do you think is going to fall out could it be the red wings or do you think that the flyers could they just continue to be one of the streakiest teams in the nhl all season
1: yeah, I'm leaning more towards the Flyers in, for the reason that you just mentioned, but also because, like, apparently they're sticking to the plan that they had heading into the season where, you know, at the deadline, we can sell off some pieces and, and recoup some assets. And, you know, we'll have to see what that turns into or after the trade deadline. But, you know, it is surprising to to look at the season that they've had and some of the success that they've had and the, you know, the unexpected position that they're in. And see that they are still fielding calls and some of the guys on their roster and and willing to be sellers. So, you know, I guess you give credit to them as a uh, as a team that has a plan. But, you know, it's uh, it's got to be disappointing if you're a Flyers fan that some of this talk is happening. and, And it seems like from the outside looking in that they're they're at least a little willing to punt.
2: Uh, The NHL is all fine and dandy, but I really enjoyed what you guys did as you went down to the Super Bowl and did media day and asked all sorts of hockey questions to NFL players that were, well, generally perplexed by the entire idea. Can you just tell us about uh, how you guys got to the Super Bowl and what the experience was like with What Chaos?
1: Uh, Yeah. I mean, the experience was, was awesome. It was a, you know, a silly idea to be the only hockey show uh, at radio row at the Super Bowl and and at media night and asking hockey questions. But um, you know, we were lucky enough to get a sponsor that was able to pay for it and and believe in kind of the, uh, the, the goal that we had in mind and, you know, all city network is behind the show and, and they were for it too. And they set us up. And, and so uh, we had a lot of people believing in our, our dumb little plan, and this plan had gone back to like October, where we were like, "Okay, we're starting the show. We want to be the only show at the Super Bowl. We've got this idea, and that idea was the hockey reporters at opening night at the Super Bowl." And the video came out better than than I could have hoped and could have imagined. So uh, I'm happy that it it, uh, it kind of hit a little bit, and uh, um, you know, we had a lot of fun, and and the experience was great. It was my first Super Bowl what a spectacle and it was awesome to be in vegas for it
2: who was the most taken aback by your hockey questions
1: um i think kyle shanahan had an like an air of disgust when asking uh, if if he was concerned about having bodies at the front of the end zone he had absolutely no time for that question <laughs> but i think um i think that isaiah pacheco was the funniest response because I I told him that his play style reminded me of Nathan McKinnon and he had no idea who Nathan McKinnon was and uh, and then the follow up question to him after I left his podium was like seriously how would you describe your play style and his follow up answer was you heard that guy Nick McKinnon I play like Nick McKinnon and that was amazing it was so funny
2: That's pretty good. Uh, And did you actually like go to Radio Row and do the interviews, like all the sponsors coming through and dropping guys off and doing the whole car wash thing too?
1: We didn't do like the, you know, we didn't have like Dan Marino on the show and and bombard him with hockey or whatever (laughs) it was, but we were on Radio Row. Uh, We had a good time. It was, uh, you know, we did our our live show every day from Radio Row. So uh, it was just cool kind of being in the thick of it there.
2: What was the best part about doing it in Vegas?
1: I mean, being in Vegas, right? Vegas is a and you can kind of make of it what you want. Um, but you know, I, I think that Vegas is is fun, and, and like it, it's the the Super Bowl of hospitality, fifty two weeks out of the year. So, uh, you know, I think the only place that's more equipped to kind of host that event in terms of a hospitality standpoint is maybe Disney World. And I don't I don't expect Disney right. World to have a Super Bowl anytime soon. So it was probably the best situation to be in for my first Super Bowl.
2: Also wanted to make sure that we got into uh, a little bit of Jersey stuff with you here as well, because I know that uh, you're a big fan of different silks across the NHL and across all the leagues, really. But Fanatics is starting to take over. How do you feel about this, Pete?
1: I'm worried. I'm worried for sure. I mean, Fanatics, the quality of Fanatics products is, Really, really tough, and uh, the the biggest point of concern for me is that they're going to own both the starting next year. They're going to own both the official jerseys and the replica jerseys, mm-hmm. which you know essentially creates a monopoly. And when there's a monopoly, there's no incentive to provide the best quality product for uh, for consumers. I'm not necessarily worried about the on ice product, especially in year one, because they're basically just taking Adidas's factory and the template, and they're they're running it back just with the Fanatics logo slapped on it. But as the partnership goes on year by year, I certainly wouldn't be surprised to see a decline in in quality. And, and, you know, knowing Fanatic history, they've they've already screwed a lot of people over and disappointed a lot of people. So, you know, with uh, essentially a Monopoly and their history, I'm very, very concerned.
0: Who's the best sweater in the NHL?
1: I would say probably, uh, like, I, I'm part, partial to the Detroit Red Wings. It's, you that's know, a beautiful. big part of it is the logo. Um, I think they have the best logo in hockey. Uh, and it's just a like classic. And, and I love that they kind of refuse to, to mess with it. And going back decades, there's a lot of history behind that sweater. So, uh, you know, that's got to be probably my favorite in the NHL. The
0: worst?
1: <laughs> the Anaheim Ducks, probably. Uh, it's infuriating <laughs> that they have one of the best sweaters. Just collecting dust in their closet with the you know the original Mighty Duck, it, yeah. their their jerseys just seem to keep getting worse and worse every single year. I do like the alternate that they had that they rolled out this year with the uh, the teal and the eggplant, but it's not the same as as the original, which is truly one of the best jerseys ever. And and they refuse to go back to it for go- some f- godforsaken reason.
0: Um, your uh, your thoughts on the al- alternate jersey for the Flames, the black blasty jersey?
1: I like it. It's different. And, you know, I know that it's – I'm sure that it gets a lot of hate because it's, you know, it's kind of like a – I don't know. Like, it, I, I, bet it's a, I bet it's a lot of children's favorite jersey. And if maybe you want to call me a child because because I like it. Fine, whatever. But I, I think that the, the Flames have a very, very good three-uniform set. I love, uh, I love their kind of the, – the retro-ish old vintage style that they went back to a few years ago. I think they have some of the best sweaters in the NHL, and then I like that the third jersey is a nice change of pace. I, I find I, I kind of have the same thought about the Buffalo Sabers in in their jerseys, and then they have the goat head as the as the alternate. Like it's a real nice change of pace, and it's different, and you know it, it combines a classic look with with sort of a modern touch.
0: Uh, Pete, uh, we got to run, but do you have a sappy love song you want us to play you out to?
1: Sure. Yeah, I thought about it. I think uh, "Beyond" by Leon Bridges is probably one of my favorite uh, okay. favorite love songs. So, if that's uh, there, you that's go. One now, you play, our uh, our, technical
0: director, our technical director, our technical director, is scrambling now to play that song for you. Uh, while he does that, <laughs> sorry tell us for coming your at the
1: deadline here.
0: That's okay. Say tell again? us about your podcast.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's a What Chaos is a show that just kind of aims to highlight the fun and personality in hockey and the way that we cover it, but also with our guests. Like, we we bring our guests on, and we love to have fun with them and just kind of have casual conversations as an everyday hockey fan.
0: Uh, Pete, this was a lot of fun. Let's do it again soon. Thanks for this, pal.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for having me.
0: There's Pete Blackburn, host of the What Chaos Hockey podcast on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar Guest Hotline. That's such a great idea. Asking hockey questions to NFL players who have no idea what's going on.
2: Man, when I first saw this video, and, and like I said, I've like Pete's been around the space for a long time. He worked with CBS, he worked with Bally Sports, and yep. now he's kind of got his own thing with what chaos. And everything that they have put on social media so far, I have loved. We played that uh Grail Marchenko interview where he just doesn't listen to music we played that on the show a little while ago that was from them I don't think we actually got around to playing the audio from their Super Bowl trip no, but I didn't. uh yeah definitely check it out what chaos is what the show is called and I love the name uh, too because it's my favorite part about hockey man so much chaos
0: yeah uh, great stuff uh from Pete there straight ahead the franchise Eric Francis will join us Flames reporter for Sportsnet. Uh, we'll also play uh, some of the text messages uh, we've been doing all morning. Why have you fallen in love, or how did you fall in love with the Calgary Flames? 960, 960, name and location. Mustang Sally is uh, doing the text messages this morning. We'll hear from her. We'll hear from Eric Francis. We'll do our lock of the day. It's all straight ahead. It's the big show. Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, the fan. It's the big show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, the fan, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. We couldn't do a Valentine's Day show without Mr. Valentine's Day himself, Mr. Michael Bolton. I'm I'm a little disappointed we've only played one song so far, Matty, this one.
2: I think we're good. I think we're good. I think people GVP, are going to be listening it up for to this chorus. a lot when they're at home. Hit it, GVP. With their families.
0: It's beautiful. Thank our you. Our next guest is a oh, our next guest sorry. is a beautiful man himself on the Atlas mm. Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Bit of a hopeless Covers romantic am I right? <laughs> oh my goodness. Yep. Mr. Eric Francis. Um from a guy who um I know loves love and is a hopeless romantic. What are your big plans tonight, Mr. Eric Francis?
3: Well, I'm dropping my wife off at the airport. She's going away for the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> and uh i bought her a pair i bought her a pair of gloves for valentine's day so i'm pretty set yeah. okay I,
2: nice job you, know, buddy. you nailed it yeah you know what i mean yeah
3: yeah like you said i'm a romancer. like and and it, it kills it makes it even worse when my wife repeats to me endlessly you're the least romantic person in the world and i say well um, they're they're isotone they're isotoners like they're they match. They're, they're, you know, they're they're leather, pleather. Well, they're pleather. They're nice.
0: Yeah. Um, I think that's a thoughtful gift.
2: Those are good gloves. What are you Dan talking Marino about? Dan Marino used He's to be going... a nice
0: isotoner spokesman.
2: That's right. I
3: told her that. And OJ. She didn't care. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> anyway, I thought I had all my bases covered. I've been away for two weeks. I haven't seen my wife for two weeks. I'm gonna see her. I saw her last night for about twenty minutes. <laughs> she went to bed yeah. when I got home. <laughs> and then I'm driving her to the airport today. Oh man. There's so much love Listen. in my house right now. Yeah, it you are like a honey
0: it. dripper. Uh, you are a honey dripper, Mr. Eric Francis. Yeah, I hate oh, to make gonna... all
3: the other I don't want to make all the other guys look bad, but that's there's my romance right there.
0: Okay. Um, we're going to play some of the text messages. We've been doing these this morning, uh, Franchise. Uh, why our listeners, how and why our listeners fell in love with the Calgary Flames. We're going to play some for you here at the end of the interview. Okay. Yeah, let's do it. Um, I want to get to this first. Frank Cervalli was on our radio station yesterday talking to our pal, Patty Steinberg, about how close a Jacob Markstrom to the Devil's Deal almost went down like as close as you can possibly get without pulling the trigger. Have you kind of heard the same thing?
3: Uh, no, I don't believe it. I don't believe it was that close, but anyway, we, we all have our sources and, uh, sure. I've been with the team for, for a long time. I, I didn't see, uh, I, to me, that means nothing. Like, uh, that, that means nothing. You, you, you almost made a trade, like, you, you know, so at the end of the day, he didn't make a trade. Like, no, so right. he's still aflame. Is, is Frank suggesting that they went to Jacob Marksham with this? Yes. That's what he said, eh? Yeah. Interesting. Do you have the clip? I, I was flying all day. No, I don't need to hear Frank's Sarah Valley. Uh, I, okay. I, I, uh, hey, listen, <laughs> if the, if the right deal comes along, we've said it all along. If the right deal comes along, Calgary Flames... Would trade Jacob Markstrom. I think. I don't think now is the time to trade him. But if the hall is significant, then then I would agree that the hall is significant. You know, it, it. Then I would agree the time is right. Listen, I think you get the best deal possible if you wait till the summer, when every team in the league that lost in the first or second round realizes, man, we were a real stud goalie away from making some noise, and then they can clear that room for six million dollars or half of it if the Flames are willing to swallow it. I just don't see... I, I, I just think you're only dealing with two or, one or two teams in the league that have the means to make a trade with Jacob Markstrom. It's not to say it won't happen. I just... It would surprise me, to, I'll say that.
2: I wonder what a significant package for Jacob Markstrom looks like that would make the Flames ponder it because you know we constantly hear that goalies are not as valued as, as maybe a lot of people think they should be. But that being said, like, what what is that value that someone would have to meet for the Flames to consider moving their star goaltender?
3: You know, it's funny because I have a very clear, you know, vision of exactly what they want. I know what they want for Hannafin and what they want for Tanev. It's a little murkier for Markstrom. Um, I mean, it starts with a first-rounder. I mean, you don't even have the conversation without a first-rounder being involved, um, I would suggest that anything less than a first-rounder, uh, a roster player, and, uh, and a top prospect, you know, along the lines of, of Elias Lindholm, I think anything short of that, and I don't even think this conversation starts, and you definitely don't go to Jacob Markstrom and say, would you consider moving if you don't have those sort of pieces in place already? So that's why I find it interesting that he's saying that they went to Markstrom. So yeah, we'll see. I, I uh, Like I said, I was traveling all day yesterday, I've been with the team for the last eight nine days here, and uh, have my finger right on the pulse of what's going on. But uh, every day is new, right? <laughs> and every day, uh, the story, all these stories, can advance significantly. So, so we'll see. I'd be surprised though.
2: I uh, I do wonder as well, just with his name being out there, what the team thinks about it. I know you had your story about Markstrom. You know he doesn't read the stuff, sure. Um, what do you think the team thinks around this? Because they're, they're still in the race. They've worked hard to stay in this race.
3: I, I think that, listen, this team is, is already long ago braced for the possibility of losing one of the best defensive pairs in the NHL in 10, Evan Hanifin, And I think, you know, the way this team's responded to losing Elias Lindholm has been, you know, unreal. The way the fans have responded to this, you know, all these veterans getting shipped out. That's three now, if you include Tifoli and Zadorov and Lindholm. Now you're going to ship out two other guys who have been beloved in the city for a lot of years. It's amazing to me how excited people are about this team and about the future. People can't wait to see what they're going to get in return. Um, in that room, I think it's a little different. I thought it was genius to trade Lindholm during the all-star break. I, I don't think he did it on purpose. I mean, the deal came along and they were, they were ready to do it. But I think it was genius because the players weren't here. They didn't have to answer questions about losing their good buddy and it's just part of the business and all that stuff. Um, this is going to be different. You're, you're, you're going to trade these guys one by one. The goaltender, I'm not sure that'll sit very well in that room. Um, listen, these guys all know that Dustin Wolf is the goalie of the future, and I think everybody in the organization believes that he can be uh, you know, a starter in, 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 you know, real quick here, but um, losing Markstrom, who's, who's the only reason they're in this race right now. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest. He's keeping them in this soul you know, all by himself. Um, you take him out of the room. I think the air is going to come out of that room pretty quickly. They, they can regroup. I'm not saying that they won't, but um, I think that would be the toughest of all the pills to swallow of all the guys that look like they're on the way out.
2: Um, now, what is the timeline for Dan Vladar here as well? Because I think this is also kind of part of the conversation.
3: Well, I, I think it's an unmovable contract right now. I, I don't.
2: Yeah, I was just thinking of the time frame for him being able to play again.
3: Oh, I'm sorry. He told. He said the other day he'll be he'll be back real soon. Okay. Um. So so I, I don't think it's long. He's not limping around or anything like that. He he says he's he'll be back soon, and so I believe him. But uh, yeah, I thought, sorry, I thought you meant a- all the talk is about trades. So whenever yeah. someone asks me about any player, I assume they're <laughs> talking about a trade.
2: <laughs> I, 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 totally agree with you as well. I don't think, I think that if he had value and someone wanted to come and get Dan Vladar, then that probably would have been done already. And, and you kind of have your hands tied there. Um, that being said, like with Jacob Markstrom, you expect him to kind of go until the wheels fall off or do you think we're going to get to see Dustin Wolf before he gets sent down to the AHL again?
3: Uh, you know, I'd have to look at the schedule. It looks like the games are pretty spaced out here for the next little while. So I would expect you'll see them ride. My guess is Bodar will be back before we see Dustin Wolf get a start, I guess is the answer to your question. Um, it's interesting. We got, you know, games two and three days here that are afternoon games. Maybe that changes things a little bit and maybe we'll see Dustin Wolf. Um, but listen, like I said, This goaltender is the reason they're still in this race. And why would you want to continue to fight to stay in this race? And I know they're the the team tank out there who say, well, I'll tell you why you don't want to keep staying in this race. But that's not happening. That's not part of the M.O. of this GM or this organization. So they're going to be hell-bent on trying to win every game. And that means starting marks from every chance you get.
0: Eric Francis, Flames reporter for Sportsnet, joining us here in the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. Guest, Hall Big Show, Russick and Rose, 960, The Fan. On that vein franchise, um, we had, uh, Patty had uh, David Pignota on from the fourth period, and he's suggesting that maybe the Flames should be sitting. Chris Tanev with the amount of interest for the defenseman around the league and the way that guy plays, maybe just to avoid any sort of injury and you do trade protection, that maybe you sit Chris Tanev here on these uh on these games coming up on home ice until they actually trade him. Your thoughts on that school of thought?
3: Well, the league doesn't look too kindly on that unless a trade is extreme like imminent, like it's gonna happen that day or the next day. Um, Not that you can't circumvent that and say that he's got bumps and bruises because Lord knows this guy's got bumps and bruises, uh, you know, everywhere. But it is a delicate balancing act between waiting and waiting for them. You know, I think it's pretty well documented, uh, you know, they're waiting for a first rounder for Chris Tenev. As soon as someone steps up with a first rounder, he'll be gone on the next plane. Uh, Right now the offers are for second rounders. That's great. But they're holding off with hopes of a first rounder as we get close to the deadline. Of course, the risk in that is that this guy finally goes down the tunnel and doesn't come back, (laughs) which we keep thinking is going to happen pretty much every game now. So I understand why people would say that. And I guess from a business sense, probably makes sense to protect your asset, but in the actual hockey world itself, teams don't very often sit guys just because they want to protect them from injury. Like I just, I don't see it happening anytime soon, unless there's a trade right around the corner.
0: Franchise, um, wanted to get your thoughts on this as well uh, when it comes to Chris Tanev. Um, kind of same thing for Noah Hannafin, right? Like, I know you you came on last week and said, hey, there's a contract in front of him. Well, has he made a decision yet? Is he staying? Is he going? Because clearly uh, he definitely hasn't made the decision to sign the contract. At what point is kind of the, the drop-dead date for Noah Hannafin and potentially trading him out of Calgary?
3: Uh, my guy tells me that he's already informed the general manager that he's not resigning here. And uh, that's my gut tells me that the process is already underway to get a trade uh, in place for Noah Hanford. Now I don't have that definitively, but to me the fact that he's been dragging his feet so long on this tells me that the answer is evident that he just can't bring himself to sign. And so, um, you know, we, we thought for a while that there'd either be a press conference announcing he's resigning or an announcement of a trade. I think we're in the middle of that, those two scenarios right now where I think the decision has been made. And I think now the team has to do its due diligence and see if they can get the best package for them.
0: We're closing in on uh, the trade deadline Friday, uh, March 8th. Uh, what are the chances that tree and Conning get together on a deal here?
3: <laughs> well, it's, again, it's pretty well documented. The Leafs don't have anything in the cupboard, right? they, you well, know, they unless they're willing to part with... Yeah, and then, then after that, they've got nothing for, like, the next 30 years. Uh, <laughs> you know, they've got a first, and so, yeah, if they think they, you know, a first would help them get Hannafin, if that's the way they want to go, and, and potentially that is something that this gentleman, uh, you know, living would pursue, but uh, I don't think they're really willing to cop up a first for Tanev, even though I think he serves their purposes better for their playoff uh, dreams in Toronto. So, I... Listen, I know that Tree Living personally thinks it'd be next to impossible for the Flames to ever trade with him. Look, he, he left this organization. I'm not going to say high and dry. He he had his right, and they just couldn't come to terms on a deal, and he left. He gave them adequate notice, and they left. But if you think that sits well with Murray Edwards, and if you think the ownership group of the Flames is just like, yeah, all things being equal, go ahead and trade with Brad Trilling if you want. See if you can help them with their playoff run. I don't see that being a possibility. Plus, plus I also plus I also think that, like, I think Conroy would be terrified to deal with, I'm not going to call him his mentor, but dealing with a guy who does have a reputation for winning a lot of trades. Um, plus, if you make a trade to Toronto and you lose it, boy, you're reminded of it for the rest of your career. So I think there's a lot of reasons why there's no fit between the Leafs and, and the Calgary Flames. I think there's a fit. In terms of what the Leafs want and what the Flames have but I just bridging that gap I I that is a that is a big hill to climb
2: we will probably find out a lot more practice today but have you heard anything on Jacob Peltier and that shoulder
3: yeah it's my understanding it's nowhere near as bad as we thought as we feared um it, it you know I don't know if he's going to skate today um but Uh, I think the news is pretty good when it comes to Jacob Peltier, like the the fear that it's, you know, a re-injury of the injured, the the shoulder he had surgically repaired. Even though that's kind of what he was working on on the bench, I was watching him like a hawk, and he was wincing and moving his arm around, his left arm, testing that shoulder. Um, I think maybe he was just being more cautious than anything else. I, I have no doubt that he was actually hurt too, but... Um, probably after you just went through four months of rehab and all that hell, uh, I think it's okay for him to leave the game a little early. I don't know. Again, I don't know if he'll skate today or play Thursday, but I can tell you, I had the longest talk with him the other day about how excited he was to play his first home game on Thursday, because not only does like he bring energy to the room and to the ice, but like he feeds off the energy of this crowd. And he's been so excited about that. Remember, his four games with the Wranglers, the three games, they were all on the road, you know, and and so he hasn't had a chance to play at home yet. So if he does on Thursday, I think it'll be a pretty emotional night, especially with the scare he just had.
0: Uh, Francis, uh, we've kind of put you through the ringer this morning. We've been grilling you with questions coming hard at you about uh, Markstrom stuff and Tanev stuff. Uh, are you ready to hear why some of our listeners – have fallen in love with the Calgary Flames.
3: Yeah, and but, but set it up for me. Like, why they've fallen in love with the Flames, like, in their life or recently?
0: Yeah, in their life.
3: In their life. Okay, cool, yeah. Yeah. Cool.
0: How and when they fell in love with the Calgary Flames in their life. We have Brad the, and Covington. Yeah, we have the help of uh, Mustang Sally. Uh, Sally's taking over for Texty today because it's Valentine's Day, and we wanted a nice, sultry female voice. Um, Go ahead, uh, Patrick. Let's play a couple more.
4: Brad in Coventry Hills. When I was growing up in B.C., my grandfather had season tickets to the Flames. He'd fly me into Calgary on the weekend to catch a game. I grew up in a relatively low-income family, so I felt like a rock star. In 89... I was seven and I witnessed my grandfather shed a tear the one and only time in my lifetime and decided I love the flames. It's been a bit of a tough 35 years since.
0: Wow. Dang. Flew in to watch the games. That's pretty cool. That's incredible. That is cool. And your grandfather tough as nails. He cried when he saw Lanny score that goal. (laughs) It's awesome. It's awesome. Alright, keep it rolling, Patrick.
4: Zach in Mountain View County. I have to admit I was in a long-distance relationship with another team, but that Flames were persistent. They were close, and they were easier to follow. Sports in it, 960, kept me up to date, and before I could see it myself, I had a flame burning for the Calgary Flames.
0: There you go. I love it. Our radio stations had a, a big part to play in some of this, too. The love for the Calgary Flames. All right, let's get to one more before we say goodbye to Franchise.
4: Wayne, now in Edmonton. In 1972, I took the Atlanta Flames as a second team because they were so far south. They needed people to cheer for them. So I fell in love with the Calgary Flames the moment they were coming to Calgary.
0: Wow. That's a good
2: story. A
4: little history
0: they needed some support in Atlanta franchise. um, I wonder, thank you for, I wonder how many, well, yeah, sorry
3: to interrupt, but I just say, I wonder how many people texted in and said they met Lanny one day and they fell in love with the flames. Or maybe when you meet Lanny, you've already fallen in love with the flames, but he's got the power. And so does so many other players when they, you know, when they, when they grip and grin with people and share their time. But, uh, That's a powerful meet for people who've been Flames fans for 35 years because I see it when I'm with Lanny. I see the emotion of people and and how much it means to them just to shake his hand or see him in the flesh. It's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, uh, we wish uh, Lanny uh, the speediest of recoveries. Uh, He's an absolute living legend. Uh, Your legendary uh, gift to your wife uh, is terrific. It's something that our listeners can maybe um, take note of uh, try to aspire to because if there's one person who loves love it's mr eric francis thanks for this pal
3: that's right thanks for sharing my isotoner valentine's day with me <laughs> thanks pal
0: we'll do it again soon
2: romance not dead
0: cheers cheers boys there he is eric francis on the atlas Beats and sports bar guest hotline Do we grill him a little too much about the stuff or no well what stuff markstrom and yeah. No. Trades. No, I think he's fine. No,
2: not at all. Okay. No. So yeah. I felt like we kind
0: of, literally we kind of a- <laughs> ambushed him a little bit on the whole Frank. Flames and devils were close to a trade. Well. That, it feels well, like it's just that's the one outlet can, out there that's I saying guess. that right now as well. So Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> but I, but I thought that was a great point about um, the ownership saying actually maybe not trade with that guy this season. I wouldn't trade with Toronto this year, not unless they're coming with a uh, with uh, with a ton for for yeah, like, Hannifan. not like, going to resign there. He exactly would never.
2: like we've talked about. Like, okay, yeah, you want him? Fine, you got to pay give, for up, him. Give up Minton. Give yeah. up Cowan. Yeah, by all means, you want to you want him? Fine, come get him. But sure, mm-hmm. like there's no discounts. There's no sales. There's no family and friends <laughs> deal that you're getting here, Bucko. <laughs> so open up your wallet. Buckle old yeah. uh, onion wallet and and <laughs> yeah. pay the price time to pay the piper okay open it up yeah bucko
0: yeah um you guys ready to do some locks of the day
2: <laughs> born
0: ready um, we've been doing uh, well. By the way, thanks to everybody for all your text messages. Terrific stuff. Apologies to those we couldn't get to. You flooded our text line once again with your love stories for the Calgary Flames, and we appreciate you every single day. Our lock of the day is brought to you by Metal Supermarkets Calgary, offering a large variety of metal types and shapes, cut to any size, and ready fast. Metal Supermarkets Calgary, the convenience store for metal, located on 50th Avenue Southeast. I'm going back to the Champions League, Matty. Your favorite. Oh, good. Bayern Munich on Mm. the road to play Lazio today.
2: Ah, old barn munch. Hello. Yeah.
0: Yes, barn munch. And Patrick has a nickname for Lazio. I just don't remember it is. And don't say it. Can't say it. No. Um, Lazio. I'm
2: more like it because they lose. Lazio. Yeah. Lazio. Lazio. Bam. Shut up. (laughs) Shut up.
0: God, (laughs) I I think there's going to be some goals in this match, Uh so I'm going to take the total over two and a half goals between Lazio and Bayern. Lock it in. Mm -hmm. Are you going NHL again?
2: Well, duh. Yeah, obviously. Always do. Um, I am actually thinking of doing. No, that wasn't the play. Okay. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to take the Arizona Coyotes on the money line. Uh, they haven't been great lately, but I haven't necessarily loved what the Minnesota while they're doing, and I'm getting them as an underdog at plus money, so I'm going to go ahead and grab the Coyotes today.
0: Okay. Patrick, where are we going? I need a win, so I'm going to go to Champions League as well. I'm going to go to that Byron and Lazio game, but I'm just going to take Byron straight up to win on the road.
2: Okay, welcome in. GVP Uh, Clippers and Golden State Warriors tonight. I'm going to take the Clippers on the money line. Warriors are four and eight against uh, Western Conference opponents, whereas the Clippers are seven and three. I know that the Warriors are on a five game heater right now, but I like the Clippers on the money line.
0: Okay. Our lock of the day is brought to you by Metal Supermarkets Calgary, offering a large variety of metal types and shapes cut to any size and ready fast. Metal Supermarkets Calgary, the convenience store for metal located on 50th Avenue, southeast what do you got coming up on mucho big show patrick well uh, in honor of valentine's day i think gvp and i are gonna talk about uh what athlete or event do you appreciate the most and is worth the mm. full price of admission like who Who's like doesn't okay. need to be a team just like i want to see that guy or that girl or that venue and just be like hey i'm set okay yeah great stuff mm-hmm. uh, apple yeah it is uh apple google spotify amazon wherever you get your favorite podcast uh, you should probably go back and listen to the six a.m hour just to hear me say uh, I can feel your heat
2: or or now he did it again there all of a sudden it's done you don't have to go back now great job uh fo- follow us on Twitter uh, at MattyRoseLovesLove.
0: Rose Loves love uh-huh at that's it Patrick Fabio Dumont mm-hmm. and uh at GvP GvP
2: oh, <laughs> oh, oh come on come on the week.
0: Enjoy your terrific Valentine's yeah. Day on a Wednesday.
2: That's so lazy. <laughs> it's lunchtime.
0: He's got to eat. Yeah,
2: <laughs> he's got to get out of here.
0: All right. <laughs> we'll oh talk to God. you tomorrow. <laughs> Unbelievable. he's <laughs> gonna leave him like that. Oh yeah. Oh. yeah. Just Bye. Just gonna leave it right there. Bye. he's gonna leave it right there. All right. Yeah. Talk to you tomorrow. Have a terrific Wednesday. Happy Valentine's Day. Bye. Sit, Ubu. Sit. Good dog.